Let's take a moment and pray really quickly as we just enter into our time of just the word of God. Would you bow your heads across the sanctuary? Father, lest you minister through me, these are just words. But by your power and by your spirit, they bring life. So even as we hear your word this morning, would you quicken it in our spirits? Would you speak deep into our hearts as we discover truth in your word for our life? As you've called us to live by every word that is in this book, would you give us the grace and the ability to distinguish this morning between distraction and divinity, your voice, God. And by your grace and by your mercy, something is deposited into our hearts that is life-transforming. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, the church say amen. We've been on this series entitled Teach Us to Pray. Based on the scripture in Luke where the followers of Jesus, the 12 disciples, they asked Jesus, would you teach us to pray? And they asked him this because they had looked at his life and saw that every time Jesus prayed, he came out a little bit different. Filled with the power of God, great signs and wonders were happening after he would pray. Somebody say, pray. Now, as a pastor, my desire is to lead a church that is a praying church and that all that we do is built on, somebody say it with me, prayer. Prayer. That nothing we do is apart from prayer, that nothing we do is adverse to prayer, but that all that we do is saturated, bathed, and filled with prayer. I read one commentary that describes prayer in this capacity. Maybe you should hear this. Prayer is a law by which God has established in the universe. For prayer stirs fellowship and communion with God, and it brings about greater knowledge and understanding of God. It causes a person to learn more and more about God and stirs a trust in us as we seek the Lord in prayer. Prayer stirs, and it causes every good thing imaginable between God and And man, this is the reason God destined prayer to be the primary way that man communicates with God. Prayer is a spiritual law that when we pray, God listens. That should bring joy to every single one of us. That when we pray, we can trust and be assured that God is listening. With this in mind, we continue for a few more weeks to explore the different facets of prayer. And we've been talking about different ways to pray, different heart postures that we should have when we pray. Because if we just pray any old kind of way, or if we pray and our lives are not right, we cannot expect God to hear us. Scripture is clear that God does not hear the prayers of the wicked. That's tough. You can pray all you want. But if your life ain't aligned, and if... We, we kind of get this churchy people. Well, he said, if I ask anything in his name, well, everything in his name will be according to his character. And so you can pray things that in the name of Jesus that aren't aligned with his character and you won't get any response. But I want to be a person who prays and God responds. 
And so I look at scripture and I try to find the scenarios and the ways in which we are told to pray so that God can respond to Lewis's prayer. Amen. At the basis of this series is this simple thought. I want to have a more effective prayer life. That when I pray, God listens, God responds, and I get the attention of the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 is our text today. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 through 18. And Paul writes to the church in Thessalonica. He says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It's God's will that I rejoice always, I pray without ceasing, and I give thanks in every circumstance of my life. Now, I consider myself to be a great dad, and I kind of brainwash my kids to tell me that all the time. But oftentimes, my wife and I will go out with our children, and I try to tell my kids. My kids are so, like, they're spoiled. I, I got to admit, they're a little bit spoiled because they'll say something like this. I'll tell them today, let's say, that after church, we're going to Bonchon, and, and my daughter, Aria, ugh, Bonchon? My favorite restaurant is 10, the Asian Bistro. Why can't we go there? And Milo has a different favorite restaurant. And I'm like, when I was a kid, there was no such thing as favorite restaurant. We were lucky if we went out to eat once a quarter. And you going out two, three times a week, you better eat what is set before you, before the back of my hand meets the front of your head. Because sometimes our kids can be a little bit ungrateful. Today's the worst day ever. The Wi-Fi is down. Oh, really? Really? First world problems, right? But there's nothing better than after a time with my family where we'll be in the car driving home and then unsolicited, didn't ask them to, thank you, Daddy, for taking us out. I'm blessed. And the next one chimes in, yeah, you're like the best dad ever. And then here comes Emmy, yeah. Yeah, best dad. Love you too, Mom. Sometimes my wife says, well, make sure you guys thank Dad. But all the dads in the house, any fathers in the house today? Praise the Lord. Some of y'all not <laughs> you want to claim your kids? Wow. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I was looking dead at some dads. They're like, no, nah, not me. <laughs> but, but as a father, it does something to your heart when your child is grateful. When they give thanks for what you've done for them. Even more so, it's amazing when your kid will praise you from an unsolicited standpoint. Some days, my, my daughter, Aria, she's, she's the most consistent kid in my life. And she will walk up to me. I want to remind you, Dad, that you're the best dad in the whole world, and I love everything about you. I'm like, I didn't hear you say it again. <laughs> but something when she gives us, or myself, let's say, a praise, so to speak, it does something to my heart as a father. Now, you'll notice something in Scripture that I want to bring to your attention, that you never and or rarely find prayer by itself. You rarely ever find prayer standing alone in a text. You'll find prayer with fasting. No, I didn't just cuss. You'll find prayer with rejoicing. You'll find prayer with confession. You'll find prayer with petition. 
You'll find prayer with sacrifice, with adoration, with revelation, with mourning, with worship. You'll find prayer with different things, but nowhere else in Scripture do you find more with prayer than praise. You can't get past this idea of prayer and praise being united as one. And I want to talk to you for a few moments on the posture of praise. Of what it means to really praise the Lord God in your prayer life. Now we find our text in the book of Thessalonians, and, and which is a letter that Paul wrote to the church that was in Thessalonica. Now Paul writes most of his epistles because he's addressing issues within a church, whether sin issues, doctrine issues, or things of that nature. So as Paul writes, for the most part, all of the churches he writes to, with exception to Rome, he has planted and started these churches, and so he has apostolic oversight over these churches. You with me so far? In these letters, he addresses sin, he addresses issues of order in worship, he addresses all types of stuff, but the book of Thessalonians is hilarious to me, especially with my upbringing. Because Paul sent Timothy to go check on the church in Thessalonica, and Tim writes back to Paul, hey Paul, we got a problem. What's the problem, Timmy? Some person had gone to the church in Thessalonians and told them that they had been left behind. What a jerk. <laughs> this is before like any time. All the Pentecostals, you grew up with that fire and brimstone. You know what I'm talking about. These, they don't have common communication, modern communication. You can just text somebody and call Paul or email him. Hey, are you still there? They were told that they got left behind. And Paul's like, I got to set this straight. And so also because they were going through some persecution, one of the primary reasons Paul writes his letter is because they thought that they got left behind. But now nestled in this epistle, Paul gives three commands, three admonitions to the church. He says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances. And here's what Paul's saying. Don't just pray at an appointed time. Live a lifestyle of prayer. Live in such a way where prayer encompasses each and every moment of your life where you're in constant contact with the Lord. I can't stress enough for us as believers, Christ followers, our need to pray. But next, Paul gives another part in this three-part recipe. He says, rejoice always. He commands us then to give thanks in all circumstances. He accompanies prayer with thanksgiving or aka praise. And let me tell you something, there's something about thanksgiving and prayer that when placed together, it moves the heart of God. Listen to Psalms 104, 100 verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. It's amazing how we can recite the verse after we're started it, but when we start our prayer life, we don't often start with thanks and praise. I've told you week after week, don't lead with your needs. Lead with your worship, your adoration, your praise, your thanksgiving. And Paul tells us this. He says, I want you to do this in all circumstances. He did not say this. He did not say, give God thanks for all things. He didn't say that. Because some things happen to us in life that are not good and they are not God. And so we get real churchy. I want to thank God that I got hit by that car. <laughs> what? 
I thank God he gave me cancer because when, when I was closer to him during cancer, you should have just had a relationship with God. And we begin to thank God for different things. He's like, no, 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 no. But I want you to be thankful in the situation. I didn't tell you to thank me for the situation. I told you to give me thanks inside of that mess that you're in. Now, who else on the face of the earth would be more thankful than us? Those who have been saved from death into life, those who have been forgiven of all of our sins, who have been enlightened by the gospel of Jesus Christ, who have received salvation by God, who through grace and faith we've received it and we have this assurance and we've been blessed. We're now in the family of God according to John 1, 12. We are now children of God. Why would we not be thankful? Us whose names have been written in the Lamb's book of life, whose every sin has been put under the blood, and you are not looking like what you've been through in your life because God has been faithful. You see, the truth of the matter is that when we live a life of complaining and not thankfulness, we are living against the word of God. An unthankful saint is a walking contradiction. That we don't give God the praise. Here's point number one, real simple. That there is no substitute for praise and thanksgiving. I don't care how much you, I don't care what you do. There's no substitute for giving thanks and praise to God. It's not like you're baking and you don't have one thing and you can replace it with another. Well, I don't have this. Give me the mayonnaise. I don't have the, what was it, the eggs you replaced mayonnaise with? And y'all just be substituting stuff. How does that work? Just, just trust me. There's no substitute for praise. There's nothing else that you can put in its place. In our time of prayer on a daily basis, there should be a life of thanksgiving and praise to the Lord. Now, praise by definition means to ascribe value or worth to something, in this case, God, to ascribe value or worth. And I want to just clear something for you guys. Praise is not a genre of music. It's not a rhythm. It's not a beat. It's not, it's not white music or black music. It's not gospel or contemporary. Praise is a posture of the heart. Praise alone isn't a temple or a level in a psalm that you reach. It's not that. There's different modes of praise in the Bible, including bringing sacrifices in in Leviticus 7.13. Whether you want to dance before God, like 2 Samuel 6.14. Praise can be silent meditation, like Psalm 77, verse 11. Praise can be a testimony you give to somebody else where you're praising the name of God for what he's done, as in Psalm 66.16. In Scripture, we do see that praise is linked to music many times, but it's not all the time. So we can't limit how we praise, and we can't judge somebody else's praise. But here's the truth that we need to praise. There's no substitute for the need for praise. For us as people who've been saved and transformed, we should have the most to give God thanks for. And some of of y'all, the testimony y'all got, y'all should never stop praising God. He saved you from what? He done did what? Wow. How are you sitting here? Who are you? Right? Some of y'all are like, yeah, listen, how much he done saved you from where you should be in your life? How can it not elicit a thanksgiving unto God? I want to make it clear. In your time of prayer, you should put time aside just to thank God and praise him. 
There should be time just to give God praise. Paul would say it like this in Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer. Did we see prayer and supplication with thanksgiving? Let your request be made known to God. Some of you just make the request, but there's no thanksgiving. There's no thanks for what he's already done. You're just making new demands. Scripture goes further in Hebrews 13, 15. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Mm. You mean I have to have a continual praise? A continual praise, Pastor. Here's point number two. Scripture calls for a continuous praise. In 1 Thessalonians, we're called to this idea of praise, but then in Hebrews, he takes it even further and says, this praise should not stop. Touch your neighbor and tell him, don't stop. The scripture is clear. While we pray, we should also give God thanks continuously. So he says, listen to me, pray without ceasing, praise without ceasing. Why? Why is this? Theologically speaking, where is the depth in this, Pastor? Why are we doing this? Here's what the writer of Hebrews is saying. That in the Old Testament, in order to atone for our sins, in order to make up for our sins, the, the, the Hebrews and the Jewish people had a system of sacrifice where they had to continuously, Johnny, every year, they had to bring multiple times a year bring a sacrifice to make atonement for their sins. And so in the holies of holies, there was constantly the slaughter of animals and there was constantly on the altar in the temple, in the tents of meeting, there was constantly animals being sacrificed for the atonement of sin. But then comes Jesus, the one perfect sacrifice who in perpetuity takes care of all of our sin forever. We never have to sacrifice another animal again. So the writer of Hebrews says, because you have a perpetual sacrifice on the altar whose name is Jesus, you should offer a perpetual praise in response to a perpetual sacrifice. There should be an unceasing praise from your mouth, the fruit of your lips to ascribe glory to his name because, well, why do I got to praise forever? Does God have an issue? No, no, no. You had the issue. And God took care of it forever. And so why should I? Listen, if I knew somebody, if I knew somebody, if I had a rich uncle, who was willing to pay every single debt in my life every time I got in debt. You best believe every time I see him, I'm like, yeah, thank you, uncle. you the man. What you need today? What you, you know what I'm talking, y'all know what I'm talking about. If you had that person, some of, some of y'all, it's your parents, <laughs> but they pay everything for you. You would be exceedingly grateful. How much more a savior who has continuously paid it off. So the writer of Hebrews, He says, you should continue this idea of praise forever. You should never let yourself be caught not praising God. Now, some of y'all about to get real deep. Be praising God at work all loud and being. You could praise him with your behavior. You 
could just stop cussing people out, that's a praise to God. You can praise them with the right attitude. You can praise them with the right mentality. You can praise them by doing acts of service for others. You can praise them by doing other things besides having to shout and dance and be churchy. If you want to shout and dance at church, do it. If you want to do it at home, do it. But in the world, why don't you be a testimony? That walking, living, breathing testimony that you are, and then they ask you why, you can testify. There has been a perpetual sacrifice made, and so I will give continuous praise. For Jesus is always there for me. How can I not praise the Lord? The writer of Hebrews, he says, listen, you ain't got to bring, you want to bring no lambs, no goats, no doves, no nothing, no grain offerings, no drink offerings. You don't got to bring that because your sin's forgiven. But if you would just give him a sacrifice of your lips... If you would just give them a sacrifice of praise. I wish I had about five people who would just give them a praise right now. Bless them with the fruit of your lips. He said, by the fruit of your lips. point to go sit down sit down sit down I got one more point to go you how much do you missed out on because of closed lips because you're focused on what you don't have but if you would focus on that one thing you do have the goodness of God the sacrifice of Christ how many victories are you missing out on because you're focused on the lack instead of what you've been given lavishly which is salvation in Jesus Christ There's no substitute for prayer and for praise and for thanksgiving. And without that, we're missing a critical element of grabbing the attention of God. Secondly, Scripture says, praise continuously. Continuous prayer, continuous praise. Continuous prayer, continuous praise. And some of y'all are like, I don't know about that yet, Pastor. I don't know if I should be doing that. You still might not fully understand that you can pray all you want and some things won't shift. You can pray all you want and some things won't shift until you put a praise on it. It's different. Second Chronicles 5.11 is one of the texts I have just about this idea that really exploded in my mind. It just blew my mind when I read this. In this text, there's a dedication of the temple going on. And Solomon, very soon, he would, he would begin to actually sacrifice thousands of animals, and he would actually begin to, to pray this long, drawn-out prayer. But when he does it, it's not to say that nothing happens, but it wasn't the thing that transacted the glory of God. Listen to 2 Chronicles 5.11. And when the priest came out of the holy place, for all the priests who were present had consecrated themselves without regard to their division, and all the Levitical singers, Asaph, Heman, and Jethutham, Their sons and kinsmen arrayed in fine linen with cymbals, harps, and lyres stood east of the altar with the 120 priests who were trumpeters. And it was the duty of the trumpeters and the singers to make themselves heard in unison in praise and thanksgiving to the Lord when the song 
was raised with trumpets and cymbals and other musical instruments in praise to the Lord. For he is good and his love endures forever. Listen to what happens when they do this. The house, the house of the Lord was filled with the cloud so that the priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. Church, it wasn't prayer that brought the glory. It was praise that brought the glory. It wasn't prayer that brought the cloud of God's presence. It was praise that did it. That doesn't devalue prayer. It just raises the value of praise. Here's point number three, and I'm almost done. If you want to bring the cloud, make your praises loud. That's it. You can't. If you want the glory of God in your house, you got to praise Him. If you want the glory of God in your car, you got to lift up a shout. If you want that praise. Imagine, imagine a season in the church where if the worship team and the praisers got up, where we weren't able to do anything because the presence was so thick because people understood the power of their praise. There's a presence of God that shines through praise, a glory. If you don't believe me yet, look at 2 Chronicles 20, verse 21. And when they had taken counsel with the people, he appointed them and they were there to sing to the Lord and to praise him in holy attire. And as they went before the army and say, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. And when they began to sing and praise. The Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir and those who had come against Judah so that they were routed. Do you understand that it was praise that brought victory to Jehoshaphat? He prayed, got instruction, and then he praised it. He prayed, got instruction, praised. I'm trying to tell you that there's a praise that comes that brings a presence of God for victory, for breakthrough on your behalf that nothing else could do. What if the reason you haven't seen the breakthrough that you want is because you've not been thankful and you've not been praising God and all you've been doing is questioning God and holding God in contempt. But if you would praise Him, if you would lift up His name, you still don't believe me. I direct your attention to two men in the New Testament whose name were Paul and Silas. And the Bible tells us that they were locked down in chains for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. All they had done was cast out a demon out of a demon-filled woman. And after they did that, they got themselves locked up. You know the story. Now you recognize the pattern that the Bible says in the book of Acts. Chapter 16, that about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns. The NIV says they were praying and they were praising the Lord. And when they began to praise the Lord, after they had prayed, there's this connection between prayer and praise that you can't underestimate. Some of what you are looking for from God will only come through praise.
The text tells us that the foundations of the jail itself were shaken. God is looking to shake some things up in your life, but it's going to come through petition. It's going to come through praise. It's not going to come through your inactivity or your closed mouth. It's going to come when you begin to give God a radical praise. They had been beaten. They had been unjustly jailed, but they thought it not robbery to give God praise. If only I had five people right now who understood... transact in the spirit that we can't understand I don't I don't I don't know how my iPad works I just know that when I touch it things move right I don't need to know how Apple makes this thing I didn't need to know when it's not working how to fix it and when it is working how to use it now I just told you how to fix it it's your job to use it Absolutely on you. Prayer and praise. If you want to bring the glory of God in your life on a way that you've never experienced, you've got to praise Him in ways you never have. For some of you, it might be obedience. For some of you, it might be a season of finally being quiet. For others, it might be a, a, a moment of radical dancing or praising God in the congregation however God ministers to you to be filled with praise you should be filled with praise remember Hebrews said it's a continual praise the fruit of your lips that blesses God now I don't know about you but when you began to praise there was an obvious shift in the atmosphere 
Well, how do I praise God? Maybe you're new to church. It's by giving God thanks for the small graces in your life that every day he gives to you, whether you deserve them or not. And so we even could praise him by faith in advance for things that we are waiting for, believing for, and trusting for in him. But whatever you do, praise him. Nothing shifts a father's heart more than grateful, praise-filled children. I'm leaving a restaurant. My daughter's like, Dad, you're the best. I'm like, oh, yeah? You're the greatest dad ever, yeah? You want ice cream? Sure, why not? Because the more they gave me thanks, the more I was willing to, that's all right. I love you, girl. Come I'll spend on my children if they're going to be thankful. How much more God of me, a flawed father? How much more God willing to pour out? How how many chains are on your life that he's waiting to shake a jail for you? He's waiting to break off something from you. He's ready if you would thank him, if you would praise him, if you would be filled with that spirit of praise and thanksgiving, if you would enter into his courts with thanksgiving and praise, if you would be the person more how much more God maybe today as a believer as a believer as a Christ follower there should be a conviction for closed lips in our lives there should be a conviction that maybe we haven't praised the way we should have and we've been fooled into complaining too much talking too much talking against our very prayers because how soon we leave the prayer closet and then complain about the things that we just pray that's like putting poison on seed you just planted but if you praise him it's like a fertilizer in the spirit and the bible tells us clearly over and over that when men praised him God moved on their behalf touch your neighbor tell him God's about to move for me God's about to move in my life come on Hallelujah. Now in this in this atmosphere, would you do me a favor? Because I don't want to I don't want to assume that every person in this place knows Jesus. I don't want to assume that every single one of you are gonna walk out of here and just give God the highest praise 24-7. Would you do me a favor out of respect for the presence of God? Would you bow your heads? And is there anybody under the sound of my voice who you know and recognize? That you are looking at me saying, Pastor Lewis, you know what? I am not fully aligned with God, but I want to pray and I want to get my life right with Jesus today. Maybe it's the first time ever or the first time in a long time. If that's you, would you do me a favor? I just want you to lift your hand as high as you can right from your seat. If you're online, there are people waiting for you. We will pray with you online. Thank you. We got one. Come on. Two. Come on. Anybody else? Come on. Come on. Anybody. Three. Come on, I see you back there. Three. Yeah. And you're saying, you know what? I, I know, I know, I know that my life ain't right, but I want to get it right today. The best sacrifice you can give him today is your heart. And if you give him your heart, everything in your life will shift from this point out. Maybe the praise we're talking about today we're going to give the Lord is our heart. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray this prayer with me. Come on, church. Dear Heavenly Father, 
I want to offer you my heart. I want to offer you my life. I accept you, Jesus, as my Savior. And I know, beyond the shadow of a doubt, I'm in need of you. My life isn't right, but I know you'll make it right. So I confess with my mouth, and I believe in my heart, that Jesus is Lord. I want to walk with you all the days of my life. Come on, would you give God praise all across this sanctuary?